Out there in the Geek Nation, you're currently tuning in to the Cult Pop Podcast live stream, a.k.a. Spoiler alert! Episode number 731, where we talk about and review the past week's comics, as well as some pop culture happenings. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo, uh, owner of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA. Uh, it's inserted aggressively into the beating heart of Maniunk. With me this week is Kaiju Aficionado, Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. Hi, Len. Tell the people something. Hey, what's up? How you doing, everybody? I am here, ready to review some comic books and hopefully even more. Nice. And triumphantly returning to the fold, a man that needs little introduction. But we're going to do it anyway. Brian, what's up? Yeah. Tell the people something other than any combination of the words some or thing. Any what? Any what, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to review some books and maybe obliquely gush about giant monster fights. But before that, uh, nothing. Because we don't have any letters. Before that, I'm just going to... We, are we, we gonna a story in progress? Are we gonna introduce that guy right there? Yeah, I yeah. also know. Did I miss did I miss somebody? <laughs> the, the the person over to you uh look look that way. Oh no, this is Kyle. This way. is Kyle Parker Holden. <laughs> co-host well, also of the live stream. I don't see anyone else here. Yeah. I'm pretty alone. He's got his little <laughs> Spider-Man hat on. Also, also no. Sorry, buddy. La, la, la. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot going on over here. Is this guy's debut on the podcast? Was he on in the weeks that I was was out? He has made some spot some spot uh, appearance. This is cool. this is the most this is the most FaceTime we've gotten. Usually, it's just the back of a head or uh, a flippant cry here and there. <laughs> but this is full profile. Hey, guy. Sweet. Hi, Kai guy. Cool. Uh, Let's just, we're just gonna, gonna do this split eventually because uh, he's not gonna settle down for this very very much longer. He's no, gonna tell split the people something. Speeds. Oh, hi. Yeah, today we're going to talk about comics. Um, so we might as well just jump into it. The first comic we're going to talk about today is Beta Ray Bill number one by Marvel Comics with art and written by Daniel Warren Johnson, colors by Mike Spicer. Diamond has this to say. The second most famous wielder of Mjolnir, the right-hand man to the God of Thunder, and now a warrior without his best weapon. Beta Ray Bill is tired of playing second fiddle to Thor, and with Bill's famous hammer, Stormbreaker, recently destroyed at the, all, at the new All-Father's hands, tensions are higher than ever. The Corbinite must strike out in search of a new weapon and a new destiny. Assuming he can first defeat a nullified Fin Fang Foom, writer-artist Daniel Warren Johnson and colorist Mike Spicer take Beta Ray Bill on a journey beyond the shadow of God. This book, I was very excited about this book. Uh, I, I know some of you guys were very excited about this book because we are we're essentially the Daniel Warren Johnson fan cast. I'm about um, to say that. <laughs> yeah. His his um 
the uniqueness of his art and his storytelling style are um, relatively unmatched in current comics right now. It's just it's a it's a familiar, gritty, dirty, but still very palpable kind of style and aesthetic. And it's it's the easiest way to say it is just it's metal. It's it's very meta. Metal it's very metal. AF. Metal AF. Um, I loved it. I loved this book. I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting it to be um, little emotion, mostly crazy metal. And it was mm-hmm. much more emotion than I actually expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was happy with it. Uh, what did What did you think, Len? Oh, I absolutely love this book, especially as someone who has, despite his fame and glory, never read a Beta Ray Bill story in my life. I've you seen mean despite your fame and glory, Len? <laughs> you have never read it. <laughs> I've never been asked, and I've never requested. Oh, welcome back, B. Oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had never read Beta, Beta Ray Bill, but I knew enough of his story, so I knew what was happening. And, um, and this was just phenomenal. It was just uh, just wild, crazy visuals. I lo- and I love the I love JD has talked about this too. When visuals and words, especially like the sound effects and things like that, mash together just to to complete the picture. There's a scene where. Everybody is like screaming, like "Ah!" As Beta Ray Bills hold up his hammer, and the, the way the words are spelled out, it's like everything in here is just spot on. I didn't, I never thought I would give a damn about Fing Fang Foom, but Fing Fang Foom shows up in here. It's wild and it's crazy. And you're right, um, Noel. Just when you think it's just going to be this bash, boom, apocalyptic fight. You know, some real heart and emotion and storytelling comes in. It takes time to slow down a little bit and really interrogate exactly what Beta Ray Bill is about and the feelings that he has, uh, the 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 um the complexities of his feelings. And even though he's called horse face, there is nothing horsey about his face because the horses are pr- kind of pretty. There ain't nothing pretty about his face. Um, but that's the whole story of it. Um they even do something. I even cared about Lady Sif for the first time in a lo- in a long time. Like this is just like g- great comic books. And it's funny you say it's metal because it, much as it does remind me of metal, to me it reminded me of an edgier uh, uh, Jeff Smith, the artist of Bone, who oh, I think can, can can create a a animated aspect to his his comic book illustrations and that's how much this felt this felt like almost like i was reading a cartoon it was it was great great stuff one of the funnest books this week did did, uh let's hear for the rest of the team but i actually did have one point i would like to ask your guys opinion about maybe one of you to touch on it jd what did you think i know you just read it this morning Okay. Oh, I'm a big Daniel Warren Johnson fan, uh, so I was really stoked to read this. I expected a lot of big Beta Ray Bill action, which we got, but the action was Beta Ray Bill getting his horse face shoved up his own ass. That's true. Um, yeah. It was impressive. I was like, oh, all right, this poor guy, because uh, in the Donny Cates run of Thor, we found, um, there was a confrontation twixt Thor and Beta Ray, and Thor done smashed Beta's hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was so. Now he doesn't have the the stormbreaker to protect yeah. uh, Od, um, not Odin, Asgard with. So um, I was really surprised. And then 
it's just it felt like some Parker Luck Beta Rays got, man. Uh, he can't turn back into his not I would say human, but it's humanoid self. Right. Um, and, you know, he's been flirting with Sif and they're about to get a little murmur on. And she's like, uh, could you take off the horse face, please? And he's like, nah, dog, horse face for life. And uh, she's like, all right, well, peace. And that's yeah, he, that, he leaves. That's he leaves what I want to talk about. Feeling, he leaves Asgard feeling really dejected and, and really down on himself. And so this looks like it's going to be an exploration of him coming to terms with maybe who he is. And, you know, he's going to find Odin and see if Odin can create a new Stormbreaker. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I wonder if this will be yeah. one of those, the power was with inside you the whole time type of stories. But I am on board 100%. The art is fantastic. It's dynamic. It it almost grabs you, grabs your face from within the page and slams you into the story. It's so goddamn good. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, in fact, I saw it and I was like, ah, oh, you know, this really reminds me of Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I looked it up and of course that is Daniel Warren Johnson as well. Um, and uh, you know what else, Len, it reminds me of uh, the... Keith Giffen, Legion of Superheroes, art was. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's got like a heavy sci-fi feel to it. What I mm. imagine heavy metal and uh, 2000 AD, like specifically Judge Dredd stuff to be like without really ever having read either of those things, but just sort of tangentially seen, you know, this this uh, page or that page. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I loved it. I love this art style. Um the one thing struck me in particular, Fin Fang Foom's face uh, is like this human face on yeah. this thing. And there's one page that it's just like in the extreme foreground as he's biting through an Asgardian, one Asgardian or another, uh, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he seems to have evolved his style. I was like, oh, this is also the same guy that did Dead Earth. Let me see what else he has done. Um it just the little bit that I saw, it looks like he has kind of with Dead Earth gotten this grittier, heavier line kind of thing going on or doing the the thing which a lot of people are doing now where the motion lines are like lines perpendicular to the direction of the action kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. As they it's should be. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but the line of the thing itself, be you know what I mean? Like where the guy's arm, instead of being a straight line defining his arm. It's like made up of motion lines itself. Yeah. Yeah. His, the, yeah, the yeah. outline of the character mm-hmm. devolves into motion lines themselves. Yeah. Right. I right. think it's cool. I think we all yeah, think it's cool. Yeah. Of, like, yeah, historically or classically you, you, you let the art or you let the reader fill in motion, kinetic motion in between panels. And he literally just, he, he almost constructs a lot of his shots as though you're seeing a snapshot mid motion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. your brain is doing the work that it's used to, but it's seeing it as 10 times faster because he's showing it in motion, like within the panel. Mm-hmm. It's right. really, really impressive. Yeah. And let's yeah. give some love to the colorist, Mike Spicer, yes. because yes. that, uh, that informs just, just brings it all that much more to life. So I want to give him. In fact, I was just looking at uh, the page where Foom is going through what I imagine is the head of Galactus, as now are the gates of Asgard. And he's on the yeah. Bifrost, you know, which, uh, you know, the Rainbow Bridge. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, uh, it sits really well on that page. Uh, also, the colors on the ship in the next page. 
Yeah. yeah the, this, is, this is a complete package. Cool. I, I like. I think this is only a five issue miniseries, but I uh, Marvel has those uh, Treasury editions, um, mm-hmm. which Len should be familiar with. Uh, he owns <laughs> very proudly the uh, History of the Marvel Universe and Treasury Edition. I want to see his. I want to see his art in fourteen inch uh, or like eleven by seventeen pages. This this stuff right. is awesome. Yeah. But um, bigger the better. Can we? Can we talk about Sif for a second? So go, go. At first, how it's read, read on the page, it's like real dicky. Like, oh, she lured him to bed and changed her mind. Or, or like, oh, you're ugly and you can't change. I'm sorry, no. But Why then, we, I mean, she's I was going to say, that's, yeah. that's a lot of people's interpretation. So I kind yeah. of want to defend Sif a little bit. She's the one in the conversation that was like, so when do you turn back? So her understanding is that he will be the humanoid because he is every single night. And mm-hmm. that is who she's going to go to bed with. But the parameters of her her consent change. Yeah. So it's not yeah. a, I just, a, just a quick defense. It's not a, this bitch. Yeah. Like, why would she do that to him? Like, I know we're not reading it this way. I'm making it clear that that's mm-hmm. not the story's intention. Mm-hmm. Um, the parameters of her consent change, and she feels awful about it. Yeah, and he doesn't actually blame her. No, all. yeah, no. he's like, so, I have no lips. I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. JD, we were talking the other day, I believe, on the live stream about uh, what his deal is, and he and I didn't realize that he had been transformed into a powerful entity before he got like, that's why he looks like that. And then Stormbreaker like lets him go back to what he was before that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, In that, in that ridiculous live stream you guys are referring to, I was looking up Wikipedia and, and typing to you guys like, Oh, he was actually a a warrior for Corbinite and Oh, he was this. And then, then he got this like, but it just, it got lost in the shuffle. But yeah, I didn't know he had such why it's fine. But I, I didn't know he had such a, wild kind of mishmash of a history like it yeah, wasn't, it wasn't yeah. the straightforward the, the yeah. hammer that gave him craziness he was turned into a horse face uh, warrior by his own people cyborg yeah, to defend yeah. against this yeah. fire thing um, and, yeah. also i don't remember I, I i've never been aware but i hadn't really known about him until now but he had the skeets uh that yeah AI that hangs out with him yeah what's his name scuttlebutt 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 I didn't realize you. I thought he was the ship. Yeah. And when Fin Fang Foom threw the ship, I was like, oh, no, Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt. I, I was, <laughs> I was wondering friend. if that's a retcon. I was wondering if that was a retcon or just something oh, that they be. kind of yeah. reintroduced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it could be. Uh, to give him a, because uh, it's not, it seems like it's going to be, this series is just going to be a, a him on a journey, but having mm-hmm. a, a little robotic internal voice like a Skeets, a la Skeets. Would be really Somebody great. To talk I, to, yeah. I can't wait. For, I can't wait for the rest of this. This is. This I, is I plan on reading the rest of this. Yeah. For, for yeah. yeah this final page is cool. About uh, Skeets is Booster Gold's little oh, AI right. buddy. Yeah, yeah. That's a short. No, I wanted everyone to look it up. It's S K E E T S. Do you get? We'll wait. Everyone, look it up. Yeah. I also love Beta Ray's conversation with Thor. I liked. I liked that that conversation because that felt. It felt, um, again, it informs who he is, but it also felt because I, it, from reading from afar, it always felt like there was like this um, 
brotherhood that Thor and Beta Ray Bill had. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't negate the brotherhood. It just deepens it because this is sometimes how brothers feel about one another. You know what I mean? About how one comes and takes your, takes the glory and or your dad's favor or, or whatever, even though it's not necessarily to those and he destroyed exactly. the hammer too. Like that was a pretty big and exactly thing, yeah, you know? yeah yeah and, and and he destroyed the hammer, realizing I don't know what story machinations made him destroy the hammer, but the fact of the matter is he knew what that hammer represented for Beta Ray. Yeah, that he can't go back to his humanoid form anymore. Exactly, yeah, which yeah. is the biggest thing. Which yeah. is the biggest thing. Uh, yes, uh, JD, you had a question. Well, that's what. Yeah, that's that was one of my problems with it. Is you know Thor shows up and he's like. But I gave you all the other weapons on right. Asgard. Yeah, bro. How did you feel when you didn't have Mjolnir? You were just like, mm-hmm. I got all these other weapons. Don't worry about it. We're chill. Like, you destroyed the dude's Mjolnir. And right. now you're just like, but I gave you these axes. Yeah. yeah well. Or is this also, characterization of Thor... Oh, sorry. This characterization of Thor um, in, in the Donny Cates books also is not a uh, emotionally evolved or mature person. Mm-hmm. He's just burdened with all responsibility and still powers through those decisions like an asshole, like yeah. he historically always had. So during the the whole destroying of Stormbreaker, it's just because he didn't tell his plan to everyone and half of Asgard was just like, stop, Thor, don't do it. And he just like laid waste to Sif. He laid waste to to Beta Ray. It, it, was, a, it was a mess because Thor is an wildly flawed character and the fact that he's a alpha male glory hound, even when he's not intending to be, um, just rings incredibly true to me. Yeah, I guess that always was his deal, right? Like that's yep. why he was bonded to, or that's why Donald Blake was created, was because yeah, he was this hubris guy. Yeah. yeah. Also, Beta Ray Bill is watching him hey, watching oh, oh, oh. twice. Mm-hmm. I didn't know oh, it's it. his favorite movie. Hey, it, is that is that in the backstory? Oh no, no I don't know. I'm just saying it's his favorite movie. <laughs> oh, He's right. watching Hook twice. But I, I start, you know, like with with a good book, you just kind of take a little longer to read it. I I've, I read through this twice. Um, I started trying to look for meanings other than just member berries of Rufio, and I'm wondering if there's some sort of like story, a parallel story that's going to be told about a return well, to Neverland and or yeah. If oh, I may, yes. Uh, isn't in Hook Rufio is um, kind of like really popular until. Uh, Peter Pan he protects the he protects Neverland for yeah, the, the, the kids when he's gone. What are the kids called? The children of lost tears? The lost boys. Yeah, the children of lost tears. That's actually that's actually um that's a that's a emo synth band from nineteen eighty seven, yeah. the children of lost tears. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, children it's it's lost. in the final scene too, which I did not realize. The first yeah. read through, um, oh, but yeah, you're you're right. The the idea of you know protecting all this for you, you come back and just you know wipe my efforts away, you asshole. Oh, I get yeah. that. Yeah. Oh no. Interesting. Anyway, so I think we're all in agreement. This book is fantastic. Everyone should pick it up. If you're on yes. the fence at all, you're stupid. Get off the fence onto the side of Daniel Warren Johnson. Hmm. Um, so the next book we're going to talk about, just change this banner real quick, is. The longest read of the week, but potentially the most rewarding. Other History of the DC Universe number three by DC Comics, written by John Ridley, with art by Giuseppe Camoncoli and Andrea Cucci. Um, Not Diamond has this to say. 1983, Japan, 
Tatsuyama Shiro's life has taken was ta has been taken from her. Her home, her children, her husband are all gone. With nothing left but a burning pain and a sword that stole her family from her, Tatsu begins a long journey of healing, self-discovery, agency, and rebirth. This is the story of Tatsuyama Shiro, the woman known as Katana, a hero who became more than the world ever intended for her, ultimately making a family like minded outsiders who a family of like-minded outsiders who rally together for the common good amidst xenophobia and oppression. So this is the third issue of the other history of the DC universe, the series by John Ridley. Every single issue um, is a deep dive into a character of color within the DC universe. It's written in a prose style with um, splash pages, almost like a, you're essentially reading an oral history. So somebody telling you a first person account of a 30, 40, 50 year span of their lives during tumultu uh, tumultuous uh, time periods of, of American culture, right? Um, the, every single issue of this book is takes a while. You really got to sit with it. You have to experience it and read it through and, and just kind of like sit with a page. And every single one of these issues the new one is my new favorite. Hmm. This was spectacular. Um, it just keeps going up. And it also of all the characters, I don't, I don't know. Like the, 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 the first issue was Jefferson Pierce, uh, black lightning character that I'm very familiar with. And I thought it was brilliant. The second issue was, um, uh, Duncan and B. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Had no idea who the hell they were whatsoever. Cause I don't read teen Titans and I only saw some of the cartoons. I effing loved it. It was so incredibly good getting to know these two characters for the first time under the guise of like a competing first person narrative. That was great. Mm -hmm. This issue, I was like, ah, we're going to talk about the Suicide Squad. Blah. I knew nothing about Tatsu. Suicide <laughs> Squad? Really? Awesome. Is that what you associate her with? The Suicide Squad? Uh, a little bit of the Outsiders and mostly oh, okay. the Suicide Squad because in mm -hmm. modern times, that's pretty much been exclusively where, where she been. showed up. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, but all of this was new to me. So, and, and also to the, whether it's a real thing or not a real thing, or they've redconned it all the time, um, or the soul taker not being actually mystical because it is mystical mm -hmm. in current continuity mm -hmm. and in TV yeah. and movies and shit, yeah. but really like getting into the story and everything she lost, this was tragic and spectacular. I, I loved it, which is not a fucking surprise. I was almost considering like, do we talk about every issue of this series? Because it's the same story. It's great. What else are we saying about it? But can't not. So I, what did you guys think? Who wants to go first? Who do you think? For, no, you oh, go, Ryan. Um, I enjoyed it. I, um, I, th I still, I really liked the first one. And I think that one is still my favorite. But I wouldn't bring that up except to, you know, just counterpoint. Uh, just because... Uh, Noel had mentioned it, but um, I also I like this. Um, I was a little disappointed that the sword was not the mystical version of the sword, but I also understand why. Like, I think this retelling of this history of the DC universe is it's more in line with it just being a sword, and she is, you know, not arguably, really talking to them. Mm -hmm. Arguably, I would consider this the telling. And mm. every single change thus far has been a retelling, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the telling of this original character. And all of mean? the reboots that we've gotten is the retelling and remaking it uh, of this or, or turning it into a Wait, mystical I thought thing. Wait, or... I thought the mystical thing was the original thing. No. Oh, was it not? I don't believe so. No. Oh. 
No, I thought that it was like always this ancient sword that she that had the soul of her husband in it that she talked to. No, I don't. I don't. I don't believe that was a, a, original. From I, I had Batman and the Outsiders years ago, so I yeah, 100% yeah, yeah. don't remember it. But um, yeah. I don't think that was originally there. That's another element of this book for me is that now we are getting to these are not comics that I was reading when they came out, but mm-hmm. these were like the recent history of comics when mm-hmm. I started reading comics. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, so that's cool for me in another way. You know, like in this comic, we get to the time when I was reading them. Um, and yeah, I thought her characterization and it was really interesting. Um, I thought the way that they described the relationship between her and, uh, Gabby, Gabby, yeah, was very Mm -hmm. cool that she did not expect to, you know, and the, the layered approach to the people who are in the power, you know, the traditionally empowered groups of people, Batman and Superman being generally the ones, um, I think is really well done. Like they, <laughs> did you did you like it? What? No, too late. J- JD yeah. signing off. He's, yes. He, All right. Yeah, I'm sure he, he did. He might jump back on, but the baby. Yeah. And and we're live. <laughs> we're live again. All right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna exclusively blame this on Baby Boy. Uh, JD was leaving the stream and he accidentally turned it off. That's all. okay. I, I, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Oh, I thought you uh, were blaming it on the um, the movie Baby Boy, um, starring oh, Ty- with Tyrese. With Tyrese, which is bad enough a movie that mm. it could have traveled in time yeah. to end our uh, set off a series of events. No matter how terrible yeah. that movie is, though, um, uh, directed by the late and more often than not great John Singleton. Yes. Th- that notwithstanding, it's a bad movie. <laughs> oh, no, I said more often than not great. <laughs> he had some stinkers. And one of them, like, two, the, the two explicit ones were Baby Boy and Too Fast, Too Furious. Mm. Although Too Fast, Too Furious, the title spawned a legion of, like, I, I like to call all of the movies, like, Six Fast, Six Furious, Seven Fast, Seven Furious, just for uh, fun. And I, and I don't mean to annoying. offend. It's fun, though. That's <laughs> annoying. It's pretty fun. <laughs> um, so I, before we jump back into the books, we'll, we'll yeah. try and like, we'll give people time to find us again real quick. Um, I mentioned it to them on Facebook. Yeah, make sure you reshare your links and stuff. It's unfortunate. Uh, also, sorry f- to um, uh, our editor. <laughs> just just attach these two babies back on. Sorry about that. Just like when you sew up. Got to enjoy it. Just like sewing up a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We got it. I don't know why I'm talking like this. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I thought it was fun. I, I got to let somebody in real quick. Hold on. Okay, cool. Uh, anyway, I really liked it. I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think he wants to return to the books just yet. We're waiting. I think we want to hear his okay that people are back in the stream. I got you. We got Mars Comics is back on YouTube. Yeah, I see that. I see that. I mean, people will slowly and surely come back. They'll see see the stream. They'll get the update that there's a new stream, and they'll realize what had happened, and they'll they'll come on. But once Noel gives us the okay that there are – you know, a, a fair amount or whatever number he's looking for in the stream, then um, we'll return to know, the review. 
I, I don't. Uh, when when we get to seventy five percent of who we ha- uh, how many we had before, I, mean, I don't really want to say numbers because they're incredibly low. Okay. So we'll just get to seventy five percent. You even say that? Just say seventy five percent, and this yeah. was done. Because I didn't. I look. I gotta. I always gotta over explain myself when Brian's around <laughs> because he's going to jump in with some sort of specificity I didn't yeah. approach in in my sentence. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. You you were ready for it, and you know it. The, oh, I, there was nothing on that one, but you never know. No, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Um, before we jump back into the books, I will say. So I have not watched. Um, uh, what is it? Law and Order in over a decade. Okay. Okay. Thank you for the update. Oh, I, I've not watched Law and Order in over a decade, but it's been advertised <laughs> everywhere because Chris Maloney is coming back. Christopher Maloney, the the character Stabler. Um, uh, so uh, Law and Order SVU specifically. Any Law and Order, haven't watched it in well over 10 years, and he was like my favorite character actor, right? So he left. It was another reason to just not bother. Apparently he came back. So my wife and I were just like, let's let's jump back in to a TV show that's been on for 25 years, and we'll just, we'll see what's up. I remember Law and Order being almost cinema verite style, where there's not overarching music there's not fancy camera work there's no Mm -hmm. scene transitions you are literally just here's this scene fade to black credit next scene fade to like they they truncate time so much in that show that it's almost jarring it's just like watching a documentary Mm -hmm. it's like a fancy show now with no is it with score and like really impressive camera angles and all kinds of, like I was just like this isn't Law and Order anymore. I mean I know these are little Law and Order characters, but this is like a fancy show, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Because mm, now I, it feels like just like any other show. It was always just a procedural, but now it feels like every other procedural. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, just, I had to say that I was. I feel like something. By classing it up, something a little something was lost. Yeah. So that's the show. I'd like to thank everybody for coming into Law and Order SVU <laughs> podcast. Uh, we'll get back into the books. Let's just do it. Um, so uh, who left off? We all love Brian. Was still talking oh, yes. about the other side of the DC universe. Um, tell, tell us, Brian. Yeah. I. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I liked it. I. Um, I liked her. I'm not sure if this made it on to the previous stream, but I liked her relationship with uh, Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that was cool. Was she always Len an assassin to yes. begin with? Like that's yes. how Batman found her was doing this. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause I never read Batman and the outsiders, but I like them. I always like Metamorpho especially. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were done by the time I started reading. It was like in the recent past, like I was mentioning. Um, the uh, the like references to the real world stuff continues to be interesting, and I find myself wondering like, did this actually happen, or is this part of a DC Comics story? I think I've you know picked them out fairly well. Um, the I think in every book there's been this layered approach, which I find really interesting to Batman and Superman, but I think it's more striking with Superman, where they. He they they see him still as a great guy who is in a position where he is ignorant of their struggles, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And at by the end of whatever they say about him, they're like still deeply affected and and respectful of like in this case, his death, like hit her, as she said, as it did all heroes. And she saw him in a different way than she had originally. 
Um, which I think is, you know, I mean, I always like in real life or in stories when people see the good in other people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I liked it. Uh, it was was a well-told story. Yeah. I think that that's, that was, that was actually very, that's a really good thing to bring up because I, it was very, um, it was a very subtle, but not, um, kind of explanation of how, as a, as a person of color, how potentially you can feel about a paragon of something that is, you know, essentially a white farm boy, right? Yep. Like everything he does. I mean, Glenn, can you speak to it? I'm just no, gonna, just- I'm just gonna bastardize it. Like the idea of this uh, paragon of perfection and everything he does, and it's not his fault because he is that good. But you, you still are just like, fucking dude. You're, yeah. you're part of the problem. I, I know you're not really, but you are. Yeah, you are. And the thing is, is that your your status of who you are allows you to be blissfully ignorant of it. You know what I mean? And and to a degree, that is what Superman rec- uh, represented to her, especially in light of the atrocity atrocities mm. that she was, you know, um, witness to either personally or tangentially by looking at how. Um, uh, Asian people in her sphere were were treated, um, and I, I mean, once again, once again, I'll just champion on yet, like, yes, I love this book. I, I also felt that this was the first book of the three so far that was rang new to me because while I did read Batman and the Outsiders, I certainly wasn't a regular reader. Um, so I knew enough about the characters that I could appreciate them, but I didn't follow them so that I knew every story reference, but I knew kind of like the beats. I knew the story about Gabby and who she was. Mm-hmm. And so this was a learning experience to me, honestly, of a other side of the DC universe that I only rudimentally knew about. So I liked that aspect of it. I liked the aspect of it looking at, looking at it through her eyes. I also liked the age that this made her because this wasn't some young assassin this was a person who had lived a life she was married and had children and had them and had them um you know forcibly and tragically and horrifically taken away from her um and then having to find some way to soldier on and continue with her life but was she really continuing with her life that that's a, another one of the you know existential questions that this story does ask you um for you to to grapple with because it's, it's a story that we all grapple with um especially people who are are children of tragedy you know or or born of tragedy and i i liked that having just another view of of heroism um to to look at her relationship with batman and and superman they rang true with how um a lot of people could see both of them cuz they both to a degree are like uh uh noel said you know icons of a of a uh of systemic um racism or 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 privilege especially if she knows who batman is like i don't know if she did but 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know if she knew for a long time because you know Batman mm-hmm. being Batman, right, but she right. certainly knew, it, even even without knowing who he is, you know, you still knew what Batman was, was doing. Yeah, he's, I was he's got say, money. If, if, if yeah. you were if you were a part of his team, you knew all of the tech and all of the things and right, all of the right. resources just by right. by function of being there. So there is a sense of like this privileged fucking guy right. just like, yeah, whatever you know we need a toy for it all. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so I I like I like that I I really appreciate it. Like we we've mentioned both all three of these stories touch on things that happen in the DC universe, but also you have these heroes having to reconcile with things that happen in the real universe. Yeah. And as a, as opposed to the first two, which dealt with black individuals, so a lot of those real world situations I was already privy to, mm. this one, I was like, whoa, because when you read this, hear the story. The internment camps? Well, no, no, well, I knew, no, I knew the, about the, the internment camps. Oh, okay, the, yeah. the violence, the violence, the story oh, yeah. of, of Vincent Chin yeah. um, and what happens to him. And, and, and that's like, a, and, and I, this was one of those moments. I was like, you know what? This is set off on the page unto itself. Something tells me this really happened. And yeah, I yeah. looked and saw it really happened. And I was like, whoa, that's some fucked up shit. Um, uh, but it's, and oh my God, how prescient is for for this book to come out now in the world that we live in today, where there's again all this anti Asian American type of yeah. like uh, hysteria running around. Um, this was I hadn't just, realized that it was like the way that he describes it. It shifts from mm-hmm. one Asian group to another over over the years, you know, and decades, which I was not aware of. Um, you know, I mean, I kind of knew about the stuff that he talks about with Japanese people. I mean, the internment camps, yes, but the in the 80s. Mm. Um, but I didn't know that it, like, shifted to Korea. But that story was, was oh, that, heartbreaking yeah, as well. That I mean, but but that's real world. And if, if you're a black person, you live that. The, the, he ref, this story referenced it happened in the California. That mm-hmm. shit bubbled over across the country. Because that shit definitely was a thing here in Philadelphia. As, was that as the well. Watts riots that he's describing? No, it's not the watch no, riots. Okay. No, no, watch riots is, uh, is something different. But I mean, but it's still is real shit that was yeah, what, yeah, that yeah. was happening. Um, yeah, I like I like how he delved in, he delved into the um the economic reasons as to why um mm. Koreans moved into mm-hmm. um former territories of uh, into black neighborhoods where other like uh, kind of cultures and ethnicities would own businesses because it was cheaper to blah, blah, blah. But then that put those two cultures at loggerheads. Mm-hmm. And because of that, other Asian descent uh, cultures were almost taking the brunt of that aggression because no one was able to tell the difference yeah. between um, <laughs> Japanese or Chinese. And I mentioned that explicitly. The one yeah, guy, was it Vincent Chen or was it another He was a Chinese boy who was trying to protect a Korean storefront because right, right. it was under attack. There's, there was another story that they mentioned that was also like, this person wasn't Japanese, they were Chinese. But it was before that in the story. It was in the 80s mm-hmm. in the story. But I, I don't remember the man's name. I, uh, I don't remember that. Similarly tragic. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me. It's um, it's, it's, it's all tragic. It's all tragic. It's the same tra- of it, the, yeah. Then when you read the story about Vincent Chen, because he the dude was just out on it. He was out celebrating. He was at his bachelor party when oh. this shit happened. Man, oh. I mean, like it, it's it's so fuck. But but th- that aside, the exploration um, that this book 
does that John Ridley is taking the time to do the exploration of real world situations, real world um, feelings and um, um, emotions that he is using the DC universe to explore has is something that has long been overdue in the world of DC. And I think to do it in such a prestigious mm. format mm. is very, very make makes this just that much more rewarding. This is really just some some good stuff right here, man. It's really dope. I am I am wildly excited for the next issue. Because I don't know who's the next issue. Brene Montoya. So oh. the way that he's been he, the way that he's been telling these stories, or or, or at least constructing these stories, is he takes um, the year that the uh, character debuted, but then takes them through in real time. And I just looked it up to make sure. Renee Montoya was debuted in 1992. Mm-hmm. So, and she's an LGBTQ plus character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So potentially, we're going to be able to see a DC universe character exploration of, I mean of queer characters and, and the, the things through the nineties and two thousands and up to now, because of, of all these characters so far, Renee Montoya is the most current and the most modern because she still has new stories being told about her, uh, like in prestige format. Black lightning, black lightning has already been created. He's already been made into a legacy character. So in a lot of, but just on the other side, well, the question, but yeah, yeah. She's she has a leg she has a legacy uh, yeah. persona now, but she's yeah, not a legacy yeah. character. Oh, right, 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 right. Like she's not she wasn't around for the um you know she wasn't around for the um creation of the Justice League. She wasn't around for the, you know what I mean. Like she's not a mm-hmm. legacy. She's not an OG character. No, no. Um. So I'm excited to see how they do that. Like yeah, these too. are going to be these are going to be uh, historical references and touch points that I am familiar with, like right, very right. familiar with. So right. I'm well, especially because she was not queer it, for it, many it, years in her storytelling, and exactly. I would imagine that that will be represented in a different Probably, way yeah. in the story, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and a very, potentially very interesting way. Yeah, I mean, that, that's I, what I'm looking forward to too. I don't. I have never. I've never gone back and read all of those early Detective Comics where she was just a side character, but I. I wouldn't put it past Rucka if he coded her as as lesbian, as queer. And well, just that was well after. Didn't say anything I mean, about it. Batman the Animated Series was her debut. With I don't think Greg Rucka was. He's the writing. only. He's like the main person that's. He's the one that's done, done the most with her. Yeah. But, oh, um, I mean, I'm, I don't know one way or the other, but I just picture him as writing later than than that. Although that happens with a lot of these guys. That's when they became prominent, but they were writing for like ten years before. Right. No, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I am. Sorry. And I think it's um, interesting, though, the, to go the route of because we've been dealing with these super powered or heroes and to go the route of someone who, yes, now maybe is a hero, mm-hmm. but is for a long time was not, you know, the, you know, not uh, the cape and cow set, you know? Yeah, she like yeah, worked with them, but very removed. She definitely she was a cop. Know who, she was a cop. I was going to say, yeah, like, exactly. she's she's a former cop. She's mm-hmm. Latina. She's queer. She's now a costume vigilante. She dated or like had a, a oh, love yeah, affair Batwoman. with Batwoman. Like, yeah. her story touches oh, on all of the yeah. real and fake things in the Marvel and or in the DC universe. And I think it, I like I, I'm 
I probably have because of all the way that all these issues are kind of panning out. I probably have unrealistic unrealistic expectations about how much I'm very excited for that issue, but we'll see. How many issues is this supposed to be? Five. All right, so, Five, all right. and it's it ships bi monthly. So, and they didn't really, they haven't been announcing who they're talking about. You only know about the, the next one being Renee because those solicitations are out. But the one mm-hmm. after that, I have no idea who the fifth one is. But if I was going to guess, um, either finally John Stewart or John Henry Irons. That see, that's who I was thinking it would be. The next one would just because he shows up at the end of this one and. He is certainly a character that could um, carry his own book. Um, I only, I think it's going to be John Stewart only because there were so many really good little touch points that they put in the first issue. Mm. Uh, his like when John Stewart crossed over with uh, Black yeah. Lightning at all, that mm. it almost that felt like he's only. Know. It was. It almost felt like he was telling only one side of that story, uh, and yeah, then yeah. Jefferson found out that there was more to it at the end of that of, of his yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. So like he, See, I, I, like I like the book end of it being mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about John Stewart now and his perspective of what we had talked about four issues ago. He also yeah. is still very relevant in today's thing. What were you gonna say? He is. Uh, no, I can definitely see the book and the, the whole book end you when you said that I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense for it to be John Stewart. But if you just wanted to go completely afield and mm. truly do the other side of the DC universe, and this probably would be the the, the issue that would sell the least, <laughs> I would do Black Manta. Black oh, Manta. Oh, cool. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that would be... Does he uh, have any redeeming quality? You know, like, is he... I'm not well, that familiar with what his deal is. but He, he actually is. is a black guy underneath that... <laughs> underneath that well, true. Um, uh, and why is this black guy all of a sudden fighting under the water? Like, what's yeah. going... I mean, I don't even know, really know Black Manta's story. Like, most of what has been interesting about Black Manta, I, I, I saw in Young Justice. Any yeah, other that's, Justice. Is that the case in the comic? Like, is he... Is he I, uh, it's, any, it's, his it's pirate stuff, I think. Yeah, I'm sure it's been explored, but I, I, I would, you know, I don't know. But but it makes sense for it to be John. I uh, Simon thought. Baz would also. I was be. gonna say Simon Baz Ooh. or even Jessica Cruz. Yeah, yeah. But they were just this so in like 2001 or yeah, that's so recent. Yeah, it's true. Sorry, even later than that, like 2010 or 2011. But if yeah. you had them, either way, it's so Stewart, You know, like. Yeah, like the back half of John Stewart's story. story, we've got some Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz stuff, and and even, yeah. I mean, yeah, all the lanterns. But you know, we'll uh, we've got a bunch of other books to talk about. We do. This book we is do. great. Um, uh, before I get to the next one, hmm. we didn't discuss this uh, beforehand, but would would you guys be down for some quick thunder rounds? We'll turn some of these into thunder, thunder rounds. rounds. Yeah, to create a little bit of. Um, so I was thinking, uh, does do either of you want to do a thunder round of silk? Uh, yeah. What are what are our options here? No, 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 no. I'm just going to do one at a time because I know which one Ooh. I want to do. Yeah, interesting. Which one? Do I you would know? like to do. I would like to do King and Black Ghost Rider. Okay, I didn't read that, so that's great. That's perfect for you. I'll do a thunder round of that. <laughs> uh, do a thunder round of silk. I'll, I'll do silk. I'll do silk. All right. All right. All right. I'll read it. Okay. Right. So. I mean, let's just let's do some thunder rounds and then we'll get to the rest of the books. Thunder I'm trying round. to create time so we could at least talk about Godzilla versus Kong a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, 
So, uh, Silk Number One by Marvel Comics, written by Maureen Gu, with art by Takishi Miyazawa. Um, by day, Cindy Moon is an intrepid reporter for the upstart new media empire, Threats and Menaces, under her old boss, J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, <laughs> but those worlds are a, by night she's a, uh, she's silk crime fighting superhero but those worlds are about to collide as an investigation into a series of gangland murders puts silk and everyone she loves in danger who is the powerful new player in New York's underworld where she and where did she come from what is going on with that strange cat demon um, it will take all of Cindy's powers and prowess as a reporter and hero to find out all the answers and stay alive Silk number one. So let me get my timer ready. All right. Um, do, 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 one minute. Um, and uh, you tell me when you're ready. I am ready. And go. I do not know a whole lot about Silk other than I love her costume. Um, so reading this was really, truly a, a true introduction into the Silk character. I've seen her tangentially in a couple of other books, but really just my first time, my first deep dive into her. And I love her. She was a lot of fun. She was buckets of fun. I liked have, reading a book that talked about someone who liked to be a hero. She <laughs> liked being a hero. She said her name in her in logo form. Like that's what I loved about this, this group. She, she was she was silk. She like, I'm silk, baby. She was spinning webs all over the place. Plus, she was a reporter and she was truly a reporter. It felt like she actually knew what she was doing. She felt of her age. She reconciled, she was cool with her brother. I liked her family life. I like everything. I love the art. I love the story. I loved every single thing about this book. It was buckets, buckets of fun and I'm mad this is a Marvel comic DC, y'all need to get your weight up. This was great. End of round. The last two pages really grabbed me especially. I was like, oh, that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. But Len, I always liked it about the Flash when like he loses his powers in the show and he wants them back. Mm -hmm. You know, like like you would if you lost super speed as opposed to being like, oh, now I can live a normal life without this amazing yeah. ability. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, does anybody want to get a timer for me? I will do the next one. Who's got a Where's my a clock? Uh, get your got, phone. I got a clock. Here we Give go. me a second. Boop, 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 boop. And <laughs> we're putting 30 seconds on the clock, right? 60 seconds. Motherfucker, 60. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Trying to take time for me. <laughs> uh, are you ready? Let's do this. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. Let me, let me let me read the solicitation. So this is King in Black, Ghostwriter number one. This is a King in Black tie-in, um, but it does not read like that at all. Um, the War for Hell's Thrones meets the King in Black. All Ghostwriter wants is to destroy Mephisto, round up an <laughs> army of escaped demons, and secure his seat in the throne of hell. Is that so much to ask? But now a dark god from space has shown up to throw the world into chaos, and some of Johnny's old friends have come to ask for his help. It may take everything they've got to stop this madness, but even the devil himself. Go on. And go. This book was fun. Uh, so I did not read the... Um, series that preceded this by Ed Brisson. Um, and I was, I didn't say the creative team, but Ed Brisson had written about 12 issues of Ghost Rider, read the first issue. It was kind of cool and yay, but I never read the rest of it. This feels like just a continuation or a cap on that series. And it reminded me of reading comics back in the day when I was a kid on a spinner rack, because you just pick up an issue and it's the middle of a story arc or the end of a story arc. And you just 
kind of fill in the context clues and have a really fun time kind of covering ground. Um, and it really, really worked. It almost worked better with all the holes because you were able to fill them in really quickly between all the characters. The way that this all kind of worked out too is just Johnny Blaze is the is the king of hell. He's really terrible at it. And um, a lot of his allies are like, hey, we have to put Mephisto back on his, on his throne because shit's going wrong. He's the devil we know. Let's do this. Um, and it was just a really, really fun book with great art. Um, I, I liked this a lot. I will go back and read End of round. <laughs> yeah, it it ends with them essentially rethroning Mephisto, and it yeah. which is they're they're saying that was like the first piece in in the next big Marvel event, uh, and it happened in this weird side. It's even Ghost weird that it happened in this uh, as opposed to an ongoing Ghost Rider thing. Like it was, yeah. it's well, they, they canceled it. That's just Did it. I, like this, I, this almost acts as like a series finale for that sh- for that book. Um, but it was, it's, it's really fun. I, like I would, I would suggest, I would, I would totally suggest this. The flavor of it's nice. Cool. But anyway, all right. So let's let's get back to the the real important books. Um, before we do that, uh, so Brian, yes. I don't know how to do say work. this word. Is it pat 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 reun? Um, if you can truly the R, Patreon. Patreon. Uh, can yeah. you tell me a little bit about this? I, I was told to just ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to. It's um, it's actually pronounced Patreon.com, and it's a reference, I think, to the way that patrons would supply art. And just like that, you can give us money so that we can keep doing this. Um, we put quarters in the sides of our laptops to, as we stream. <laughs> so it's patreon.com backslash Johnny Destructo. Um, if you want to donate to the show, that would be great. It's, uh, you can write to us at JD's hero complex at gmail.com. Um, or like subscribe, you know, all those kinds of things. We're on YouTube. Uh, it's cold pop go Facebook, cold pop podcasts, JD stores at 47 or 43, 27 main street. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You can buy shirts that he makes himself. I mean, he doesn't make the shirts. He prints things on the shirts. No, he's he's back there stitching he's right stitching now. Stitching up shirts. Did, yeah. Like Superman's mom unwove the blanket and re- <laughs> recombined it into his costume. That's what JD does. So basically, if you guys like what we do or enjoy conversations we're having together on Saturday mornings, as well as the content that we jump uh, that we we jump onto all the social medias, like, comment, subscribe. Um, Leave us a review. Um, if you can contribute, contribute. It, it keeps us um, with microphones and internet and service. And thank you. Yeah, I got these headphones. Thanks to so, the generosity of our patrons. Let's talk about um, uh, the next two books. One, uh, an indie uh, with a little bit of a... Um, I lost words. So we're going to talk about Shadecraft. Uh, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of lead up. So this is the return of a, a creative team that just, fi- that had finished the series Skyward, which was very popular and a lot of people really liked it. So this was kind of a, um, uh, a book that was anticipated. Um, so it's uh, Shadecraft number one by Image Comics, written by Joe Henderson with art by Lee Garbett. Zadie Lou is afraid of her own shadow. She's a teenager, so she really should have grown out of it by now, Right. But something weird is happening in her small town. Zadie could swear the shadows are coming to life, watching her, trying to kill her. But how do you fight something you can't even touch? How does it all? How does all of this tie into her family, of all things? 
From the creative team that brought you the Eisner-nominated Skyward, join Zadie Lou as she adventures into the shadows to face her fears and discover a legacy she never knew she had. Um, this was a fun book. Um, I I don't know why I sounded like um, Christopher Walken just then. This was a fun book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> you just have to make emphasis on the wrong syllable. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I liked the second half of it better than the first half, mm. um, for an opening issue. It was very rushed, very rushed. Like the story, the, you mean? Yeah. The story was very rushed to get to the point where it was like, I, it, it uh-huh. felt like a, it felt like a race to the hook. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, uh, no, if I can interrupt you, uh, action figure expert, it is Sunday today. I, oh yeah. <laughs> I think cause it's Easter. Yeah. Uh, he asked, when did you guys start doing shows on Saturday? Oh, oh yeah, I didn't even see him say that. Yeah. I know he said he didn't think that we would be on today, but then he says, when did you guys start doing shows on Saturday? Uh, but he meant Sunday, because Action Figure Expert almost always oh. types differently than what, what he uh, means. An and I think he meant because it's Easter. I'm assuming. No, I, I, so when I was quickly rattling off the times that we go live, I said Saturdays and we have to stop the show to correct what I said. And no one was listening to. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it was because of the previous comment that I thought he thought yeah. today was Saturday. And we did have to stop the show. Let's talk about it a little more. Well, he, he it worked. He stopped the show. Excellent. Can we get back to the show? Thank you. Shane Craft, <laughs> um, number one. Reading, reading lots and lots of comics every week, every year, every month. Sometimes you could see the seams. Sometimes it doesn't bother me. Sometimes it does. Here I saw it in the first third of this book. Like, mm. um, but the hook was really interesting and the family. I really like that the dynamics, the characters in the family and the, the little reveal at the end, I was like, Oh, this is cool. So all in all, I really liked it. I just, I hope it was just kind of like opening salvo problems, not necessarily going on. And this was kind of like in the other series skyward. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read that. It was, it was a lot of really great concepts, but it was just at the end of the day, it was just fine. So yeah, I thought this was. I thought it was cool. I mean, first of all, I I love the art. I was I'm yeah. very engaged with the artwork on it. I like it. But to your same point, um, no, I did feel that there were bits that felt like rushed. Um, that didn't really. That felt they could have used like a another panel or two just to kind of like just flesh the story out just a little bit more to like drive it was a race to get to the end right yeah yeah and um i thought that and where where there were at times i kind of liked it because i liked the whole idea of the character um jumping the gun in the it, it on the first page to to kiss this boy that she liked i liked that but then the exploration of it, the rest of the ways felt like, like, kind of like, just like this, like, come on, somebody just like, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. And when you read the back matter, which I almost never do, but I did this time. And the writer, uh, Joe Henderson talks about how much he was admits to being nervous about putting this out here out there and about how he kept going over and over the story it feels like you know he probably like maybe over edited himself a little bit on it you know yeah um so i i think that's that's what it fell victim to but so at the end of the day while it is 
fun and it kind of grabbed me. I think it it felt like it it should have like reached me maybe reached me even a little bit, bit deeper than it did. All in all, though, it's a fun comic book. This was was this was not a wasted reading, and to a degree, I kind of liked. I can't lie and say I didn't appreciate the breeziness of some of the read, especially once the action kicks in. Mm, yeah. And, you know, because sometimes sometimes some writers will throw the action and then they'll have tons of words on it. This one allows the actions to breathe a little bit. So, all in all, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. this is very much a, a, um, uh, an artist's book. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, if there's anything I really, really like about Joe Henderson, and it was also something that was very apparent in Skyward, which I'll just keep referencing, he knows to step out of Lee Garbett's way. Mm. Like, I, I can almost see their relationship sometimes being, I'm going to remove word bubbles. I don't need right. this. Like, it's fine. Right. And, and there's no, there's no kind of, there doesn't appear to be any kind of inherent fight between the two as to which is more important, the, the dialogue or the visuals. It's like best idea wins. Uh, which right. I really, really like, but but yeah, it was it. It felt like a bit of a race to the finish, and I think the one story point that really did that for me was she has her opening scene, which was adorable, and I mm-hmm. loved it. Like the awkwardness of teenagers was just so palpable and so incredibly well realized. And then the weird thing happens to her where she's running away from shadows, and they try to attack her. The very next scene, yeah, she is already talking with her best friend about it convince and like i feel like i missed her coming mm-hmm. to terms with what the fuck happened because mm-hmm. they never show it it's just immediately goes to her telling her friend that um uh, shadows are are attacking her and she's dead serious about it mm-hmm. so in anything else including real life if any one of you guys came to me without any kind of preamble about it to tell me that they were being attacked by a monster and you were earnest about it there'd be a little bit of disbelief at mm-hmm. least there'd be a little bit of like coming to terms with it. And it just felt like we don't have time for this. Let's go. I so mean, I, if that happens. No, please just disbelieve, but act as though there is a monster attacking me. If I come <laughs> to you and I'm like, get in this car. Now there's a monster. Get in the car. No, I, but that's not, that's not the, that's not the, the situation we were in. That was, this was everyone saved the next day talking about it at school. Oh, that's true. You should still, though. I mean, I'll try I mean, not to. I'll if, try not to do if it. Anything, if there's no monster. If anything, I would verbally try to de-escalate the situation with you and, and brainstorm about other things that it could be other than sentient, yeah, shadows that are stalking you. I mean, I probably, hopefully, would have done that myself. I mean, like, what else could I, it be? <laughs> and it's, it's it's not it's not the actual act of. So I'm not picking mm-hmm. apart like the point, the story point. Sure, I'm picking apart the the um the pace of it and the, the structure pace. of getting yeah, to yeah, that yeah, story yeah. point See, like I, I know that it's crazy i got it. right i i also a lot of times in these stories i think maybe people are more ready to believe it than we would be because this is real in these worlds and so maybe there have been other hints mm. in there you know just like kind of background like in a world where magic exists they would have seen some things that they're like oh yeah that does kind of fit. you know that kind of thing we I have didn't. no other indication that that happens in this world that was presented. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about a general story, not this story specifically, any story where there's this kind of reality that, like, other elements of this reality would also be, you know, this is a world in which, you see what I'm saying? Like, in I, 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there are vampires. Most people don't know, but maybe they like caught something out of the side of their eye one time and it you in, know like in, that kind of in thing. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, every time there was a noob that was introduced, they mm-hmm. had the oh my god, what the hell is this scene. There was there wasn't just like a oh vampires makes sense I got it cool what's I, I get it but uh, but like, you see what I'm saying like in that kind of it's easier for them to accept because it is real in their world I however I didn't feel that way in this time like I can see what you guys are saying that didn't strike me at all the one scene that I felt um, was just a little odd but not necessarily um, wrongfully so uh, was the the mom is like get out of the room of her brother who is uh, apparently in a coma uh-huh. and it's like, that's unusual. You know, like that you would think it would be um, good for his sister to that, be in the room. You know what I mean? That, that actually rang true to me um, mm-hmm. because um, there's a, I've seen and read about processing grief in that way. So whatever oh, sure. the mother couldn't or feels as though she didn't and couldn't have protected them from that and will keep everyone and anything away from them now. Oh yeah. I didn't see it as unrealistic. I was just reading it and and I was like, Oh no, that's, you know, that's That's like harsh. Yeah. yeah, Like, why aren't you in there? Um, Although I did, so I didn't have an issue with the pacing as you guys did, but I did feel similarly that like the back half of it was even better. You know, the, the art is phenomenal. The like, the uh, facial renderings and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then also this very different style for the shadows um, is very cool. Um, and I'm also very intrigued, you know, because spoil the ending here. Um, we don't know fully what the shadows are, but the brother is involved. You know, the brother who is in a coma. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. a, there's potentially a, a, a whole supernatural legacy thing that is introduced mm-hmm. in the last page. And that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, I, the back half was was great. The art is spectacular. Um, if I hope that these pacing issues were just uh, like the back matter kind of suggests uh, an overwritten and or over edited issue because they were just so excited to get to the point of the end. All of the, the shadow season. stuff and yeah, yeah. I, I also like the way that it ends. It ends on this uh, an interesting ending for a comic. It's this emotional uh, beat, and then I, I always am a fan design wise of the the final page being like uh, all black with some text or all, you know, all one color with some text. I think it's a slick way to, to end it. Um, you know, after the story where it says supplemental. Yeah. 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 That's cool. It was, yeah. it, it was fun. It was fun. I, I mean, the quibbles, I think Noel would agree. The quibbles we're making are very, they're hmm. quibbles, you know, overall it's, it's, it's a fine comic book and uh, definitely, you know, interesting enough to return and see what where the story goes. Yeah, 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 and arguably these would not be these these would not be glaring to me if this was in trade. If I read this in trade right. or as a first art, right, this right. wouldn't the pacing wouldn't feel so jarring because I would have immediately right after this there would immediately be a padding of right. Am I hearing that? Am I the That's only one a, hearing that? No, oh, there's there's something going on. Cutting the table down to size or something. Yeah, like yeah. A, I, a I mean. So I, I want to introduce our next guest. It's a table saw. And <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to roll it. Um, Sorry, so, I don't know what happened. My phone just started making this weird ass noise. So we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on to what is undoubtedly and just unequivocally the best book of the week. 
That's Avengers Curse of the Man Thing, number one, uh, by Marvel Comics, written by Steve Orlando. No, nobody agrees with me. Uh, with disagree. art by Mick, Mink Yu Young. <laughs> Burn at the Touch of the Harrower. Critically acclaimed writer Steve Orlando makes his Marvel debut with a blockbuster celebration of Man-Thing's 50th anniversary really? for decades. The Man-Thing has haunted the Florida Everglades. Now, a new enemy has hijacked his body on a quest to take his incendiary abilities global. We wake to fear as gargantuan monoliths menace cities worldwide with, an, <laughs> with only the Avengers standing between the population of Earth and the planet-wide inferno. Can they save Man-Thing in time to douse the fires? And does the man inside the thing, Ted Salas, even want to be saved? Mm. So, I bought this because the cover was cool. That's it. There's <laughs> a Webhead variant cover. The, yeah, wow. the 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 yeah. Pat Gleason Webhead variant cover. Mm. It was cool looking. Mm. I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, Steve Orlando, hit or miss. Uh, I really, really his loved Marvel his debut. That's crazy. apparently. <laughs> yeah. I really, really loved his most recent um, OGN with uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Kill a Man, which was great. Um, but I typically don't like his superhero work. So mm -hmm. I didn't like his run on Wonder Woman. I did not like, um, I, I, I just didn't connect with um, Commanders in Crisis, which we talked about in the show. Oh, like, yeah. I didn't care for that book at all. No. Um, but he's all over the place and by all accounts, a great writer. So I was just hoping that maybe like eventually something will click. Um, I read this on a lark, bought it cause the cover was cool. I was riveted. Mm. So like the first page, it's the horticulture, the Hickman bad guys that were introduced in X-Men. These, these three old yeah. ladies that are just taking the power of plants into evil villainy. That was a surprise to see them outside of the X. Yeah, yeah. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. Of course they would have, like, yeah. When they have a niece who is this uh, horticulturist in waiting who is doing magic also. So it's this new character that's a mix of science and magic, which is where Man-Thing lives. The, the, like, science happened, but the magic of the Everglades and him being the nexus of all, or, uh, charge of the nexus of all realities and blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I just loved this. It was so weird. Um, I especially loved how the villain, um, turned him into a biological weapon that was creepy as shit. So, the idea of, of the man thing touches you, anybody that knows fear will burn. So that's pretty much anybody. His touch can set you on fire. But taking like the idea further, if you take this plant and you, what would happen with its pollen? What would happen with its, like, you, you can emulate somebody by them just sneezing. Mm. That's fucking frightening. And they do it in this book across the world. And the Avengers are fighting monster they're fighting monster pollen and weird stalks and people just catching flames this is this is a gross wild book and i i was just incredibly impressed i really loved it um i, I i'm prepared to die on this hill um uh, brian what did you think uh i enjoyed it i did not realize fuck you. that fuck you. <laughs> uh the first cut as he stands <laughs> on the hill <laughs> um <laughs> for for people who don't know, who recognize a similarity to uh, Swamp Thing, uh, whoever created Man Thing 
and um, Len Wein, who created Swamp Thing, I think were roommates at the time that they were both created. Like, there is no mistaking the similarities, mm -hmm. um, which extends to Man Thing having control over plants, which I did not realize. I thought he just kind of looked that way. I didn't realize he was made out of plants, also. Um, I don't really know he was yeah. made out of plants. The control over plants, I don't, I don't think that was always the thing. Oh, okay. Know. Okay. Yeah, and, and he's in a swamp. I also didn't realize the origins were even that similar. Mm. Where it's like scientist in a swamp has an explosion and, and has a swamp oh, Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I thought it was cool. I, I think this is one of those um, one of those books that's like the next one is Man-Thing and Spider-Man. Spider-Man-Thing, hopefully, is what they call that issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a, uh, a it's this is um this is almost like a fifth week event how they yeah, used to have back in yeah, the day yeah, yeah. when it's a series of annuals that kind of that just connect to each other. Same writer, different. Yeah, yeah so different like one character or story thread. They, there was a Captain Universe one years ago. You remember when he was like needed to go? He got the Hulk and this. I always like that. Um, so anyway, yeah, intriguing concept. Um, art is really cool. Um, so what I'm hearing is best yeah. book this week. Great. Len, what did you think? It's interesting that that's what you hear. You <laughs> <laughs> must be on a, on a sub-frequency that yeah. nobody else style. is picking up. He's, he's talking himself into it. I'm skipping to the end. I'm shade-crafting this. I'm just going to get to the point where ah, you agree. Ah, there you go. There you go. That it was a great great book. It was yeah. a great book. All right. Well, try editing this, my friend. Um, I hate it. <laughs> Uh, this book was just okay. The art is cool. The yeah. art, the art. I'm not going to lie. The art is very, is very good. It's not the best art this week, so you can't flip that. I didn't, but I didn't say that. But Are you giving that to Beta Ray Bill. Um, yeah, absolutely. I will say, uh, yeah, I will say Beta Ray Bill. Um, but it, but it's, it's okay. Like, I mean, I, I mean, look, I think I, the people who are Man-Thing fans, mm. like, they could fit into the real-world house. Like, it's not a whole lot of people. I, I'm sorry. I'm sure the, the fans no. are going to say differently, but it's not. That's right? still probably a couple hundred people, mm. right, if you really pack them into that house. <laughs> I mean, like, nobody cares about the Man-Thing, right? And everybody looks at the Man-Thing and they say, and you know what they say? It's like, oh, it's Swamp Thing. Right, they don't, right. Nobody cares right. about Man-Thing. Uh, Rob, Rob put it in chat. I've never seen a Gaslight review show. I'm essentially trying to gaslight you guys into, and you know what? He's right. Um, you don't have to say anything else. It's fine. We all understand that you loved this book. <laughs> no, I mean it was just okay. I mean, it was, look, it's interesting. It's fun. It's pollens, whatever. It's still read like a Swamp Thing comic book to me. I'm My sorry. Expectations sure. were so freaking low right. that I was just like pleasantly and wonderfully surprised that I, not only did I enjoy an issue, it was just like shit. I might want to know what happens next. Yeah, but there's no way you could tell me, Noel, that you. Uh, enjoyed this more than Beta Ray Bill. Oh, no, 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 no. I was being, I was being like, I mean, sure. it wasn't the best thing in the world. Um, but I was, I was very, I think it was, a, it was a mix of things. It was, I didn't, I, this wasn't something that I was looking forward to reading. Uh, the creative team has never really done anything that was, that, that lured me by name alone. The mm -hmm. character themselves, I don't care about. Like, I think the coolest thing that's happened to the character in the last 50 years, there's two things. One, um, uh, they were used like a, a man thing was used as a 
teleportation device in uh, one run of Thunderbolts. Like they literally captured Man Thing and just had them had him open port or tele uh, portals, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but then also the other thing was in the recent run of Avengers, oh, right, right. Um, they had the kid thing, which is like a small version of man thing that sits on. I can't believe I'm describing this cause it's weird. It's only comic books. Kid thing sits on blades shoulders and um, like makes rapid fire stakes for him while they murder vampires. Hmm. That's oh cool. my God. <laughs> it's, it's like high level WTF comic books. <laughs> like uh, 1000% stupid as hell. However, exactly. those are like the two coolest things. That, like, so my expectations were wild. And proof that nobody gives a this. damn about the man thing. So uh, oh, he also, your expert mentions that uh, good things come in pairs and he brings up, I think, uh, Deep Impact and uh, Armageddon. Were two movies that came out at the same time. Swamp Thing and Man Thing, I think, are a little different because their creators actually knew each other. But um, there are two Dennis the Menaces who both wear horizontally striped shirts and a slingshot in their pocket. Oh, that's their comics true. premiered on the same day. Yep. One yep. in England, one here. Uh, calculus was invented by two people. Multiple people were uh, very close to the telephone. This happens. Oh. You know, it's like whatever yeah. is giving one person the idea, the, the, the works in the ether often also, express multiple times. Also, it, I, I guess it's just like kind of cream rises to the top too. Like mm. even when those things happen, typically the, the market or just society decides which one is going to be the primary one, whether it's first or not. So Swamp Thing and Man Thing, they both survived, mm. but come on. Are which you a one Deep Impact popular, or right? Armageddon Man? Well, Deep Impact is actually a garbage movie. Oh. So it's not good at all. And Armageddon <laughs> knows it's not a good movie and it's just flashy. So that one wins. All right. Um, right. Uh, in that awful. case, I think there was a story about an asteroid like a little bit before that. And then, you know, I think I saw an old uh, crack podcast where they talked or listened to an old crack podcast where they talked about that. And, you know, just kind of trying to pick apart what influences it. I find that kind of thing very interesting. I think I think the fact that this whole conversation about things coming in pair mm. is more interesting than anything that happens in Avengers Curse of the Man thing is proof that. that this is not that great of a comic book. And well, that we is a really interesting concept, to be fair. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> you know, Noel stepped away for a little bit. So he while he has yeah, stepped he away, I did not hear about this, um, and it's not on our agenda to review. Mm-hmm. I think JD or Noel may have done a Thunder Round earlier, and maybe you did, and I don't know, and I didn't watch it. But I would be interested in in hearing your thoughts, Mm -hmm. uh, B, on the latest issue of Flash. Well, that is on our list, Len, and I I, I now believe that you didn't read it. (laughs) Let's talk about it. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, Flash 768. I loved it. Uh, Um, Written... Written by Jeremy Adams with art by Brandon Peterson, David LaFuente, and Marco Santucci. This was like a a jam issue that had no seams. The retirement of Wally West begins. After the events spanning from DC Universe Rebirth to Heroes in Crisis to Dark Knight's Metal, the former Kid Flash decides to call it quits. But the current Flash needs his former partner now more than ever. As the fallout from Infinite Frontier hits the Flash, Barry Allen and Wally West must confront the past by way of Justice League led by Green Arrow. So... That's the first time I've read the solicitation, and yeah, um, I liked this book a lot, but it had nothing to do 
almost exclusively nothing to do with where the characters were left off in Infinite Frontier. Mm-hmm. Like they high fived and hugged and was like, "Yeah, I'll take the mantle from you." And then immediately it's just like, "No, I quit." And then the whole the whole conflict is precipitated off of him wanting to, or Wally West not wanting to be a superhero anymore, which rightfully he sh- he shouldn't want to be a superhero. A You're lot right. of shit has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked this in in its corner, mm-hmm. but having read all the events that precipitated that preceded it, um, it makes no sense, and I hate it. I think this is so, one of those just forget comics everything. things. You know how sometimes things that happen in comics that are major changes have, take multiple retellings to happen. You know, sometimes I and think it this pisses is, me off. Then, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and it's doing it again now. And I, that's my feeling: is that conversation in Infinite Frontier either takes place after this arc, or this is like the expanded version of what happens in that conversation. You know what I mean? This is, it's like a myth being told multiple yeah. times. If, yeah. if I, if I just read this, then I would be happy. This was, a, this was a really cool, this was a cool issue. Yeah. I liked it. I, I wish that I got excited about the flash. Like you guys do. Mm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just fine. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's really well done. It's very well written. I've never heard of this art of this writer before. No, neither. I, I like the it. plot. Uh, All the, the voices second were movie great. reference in our reviews. Did you catch the Superman? Say, yeah. Jim, that's a bad outfit. Um, it took me a second. I had to look it up, but I was like, I recognize that. And that's what the guy says when Clark Kent changes into Superman in uh, the, uh, uh, the first Richard Donner movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah as soon, I, as, soon as I looked it up, I was like, I could hear it in his intonation. Um, but I, it, you know, I had to look it up to figure it out. Um, when they're walking, the two of them are walking, uh, in their flash costume. The, the art's great. The art is great. Uh, the art is very well done. And also I'm a big fan of them going back to the simpler flash costume, you know, the no lines. Um, yeah, I think Barry still has a gold, you know, outline on his, on his circle. Which I, yeah. Um, but other than that, it's just, it's just, uh, the class, more classic costume. Um, I really like the relationship between the two of them. My one, uh, my one fault that I have in this is that the flash home of flash facts have a, a, an early human at the same time as dinosaurs, right? Um, like this speedster, this, this speedster that Wally finds himself inhabiting oh. is, yeah. Now I can only well, I, hope that that speedster himself traveled even further back in time to when dinosaurs were around. Uh, oh, but, I, I mean, it yeah. could be, it could be alternate. It could be f- future. It could be past. It could be absolutely Ooh, nothing. Be I like, I, I didn't think anything really of it. I did like that. He ended up in Bart's body. That was kind of mm-hmm. funny, mm-hmm. but, um, um, what, uh, Len, what did you think? I mean, the art is fantastic. Um, you can't you can't knock the art of it. It was kind of fun. Um, I'm like you know, it's like okay, where are we in this freaking universe? All right, well, let me just. This is his book, so I'm going to take yeah. the Flash book as wherever, regardless of where other stories tell me we are. I'm going to take his book as the canon. This is where we yeah. are. So, yeah, Wally's quitting. Makes sense. This Wally's quitting because Wally is like, yo, y'all have. 
effed with me long enough, I'm out of here. So um, it it makes sense. I love seeing them holding hands with Linda. Yeah, I like that's back. I like yeah. that. Oh, the uh, kids it, are back too. I don't. The I don't kids know are back. What happened. It Whatever. makes no sense that R- Wally and and Barry are going to start this humongous race in the middle of a city with all these people around them. That makes absolutely no sense. But I'm going to dispel belief for that. Well, because they're running around the earth, they're going to hit cities eventually. You might as well start in one. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know that. Um, but that being said. It was dumb. It was silly fun. Green Arrow is being Green Arrow in it. He feels on on brand, which I like. He hasn't been on brand yeah. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, 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 a beautiful splash page when the Speed Force, which my God, I'm so fucking tired of the Speed Force, but yeah. when, it, when, it, it, when it again attacks Wally and takes him out of his costume, I have to admit that splash page is absolutely gorgeous, but mm-hmm. I am so... I am so like. Wait, when it, it attacks Wallet? Yeah, they make a case in this in the 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 whole like point of this conflict, or they make a case for, and which is weird. Like they have this conversation about the Speed Force being almost protective and or defensive, like a right. like a simple organism mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to a sentient one, right? But they all discuss it, and then immediately that's the theory, and mm-hmm. they all start acting on the theory. I was just like, all right, I get it. Um, that's fine. Well, no, I took it as like no Barry's like. This isn't a theory. This is like I'm intimately familiar with the Speed Force. This is how it is. You know that kind of. That's that's not how the conversation read. That's not how the conversation went. That's I think no. you're putting your putting your Barry your flashbacks into the conversation. I mean, I'm just remembering because he these are the flashes. Like they would have insider knowledge of the Speed Force. Well, it was it was just one flash at that point. They were it was just Barry talking with um, Batman and. Yeah, Somewhere yeah, like, I, yeah. I, 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 it, 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 it didn't read like that to me. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous page. I'm just, yeah. I'm just tired. I'm, ti- I'm tired of everybody talking about Reverse Flash, Professor Zoom, and all this other stuff. The Flash's biggest enemy is the Speed Force because the Speed Force <laughs> is always just <laughs> fucking with them, man. Like, man, like does the Speed Force do I'm so anything fucking to tired them? Of, the, of the Speed Force, man. Like, like, can we just go back to it's like, yo, it's a whole bunch of fucking chemicals that fucked up shit mm. and made them fast. Like, mm. we don't need this fucking Speed Force. This is it, it's just an it just ah. It's just I like it most up. when the Speed Force is just the thing that powers them. There's no, you know, like they, yeah, they become oh, one it. with it. You know, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, like um, this, it's not like the, it's it's the it's the force that travels all over the planets. It's on every planet. It's like suck a dick. The like, whole I'm the sorry. whole other forces <laughs> thing too. The steel force and the strength force. I, I oh, mean, you know what? Everybody wants the Green yeah. Lantern. Everything. Joshua yeah, Josh Williamson yeah. needs to apologize for all that shit. Uh, the Sage Force <laughs> and stuff. No, that's, yeah. all, that's that was always terrible, and it remains to be terrible. Stupid. No. So I the, the last flash that I read is the first like the first chunk of of Jeff Johns's run oh, yeah. and the speed force is just what they colloquially call this power we all share. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have intent, it doesn't have purpose. It's just when I generate speed, mm-hmm. that kinetic energy goes somewhere. And we all share the same kind of bucket of kinetic energy that we all build up and it's just what powers us. Right, it, right. It's not this um sentient organism or defensive thing or a dreamscape inside of it like it's, it was like a it's, nirvana i think also like you in the tv like show barry, was also yeah barry became one with it when he but that was it like or and he made his costume out of it too eventually but uh yeah yeah i'm yeah. i'm okay like 
uh, Len, you mentioned something earlier, like when you when you read a book and it's just like, so I'm going to make this one the prime one because nothing else really matches mm -hmm. the continuity. I am very used to doing that when I read old runs. Like yeah, when I pick sure. up an omnibus, this is just what this is. It has. I, I don't try and like fit it into the continuity at the time. I'm not used to having to do that book to book in continuity, like in real time. Okay. So it's not... Uh, Infinite it's Frontier is one of those, like, that was like a here's an upcoming survey of the DC universe. And as I've gotten older, I think the, and know more about how it's produced, they probably, whoever did those things, did it well before the actual books were produced. So they're like, here's the basic thing that we're going for. And then as the story was generated, it became different or whatever, you know, um, That's like, fine. like they do every so often. It does have the explanation. Yeah. And then you'll yeah. just see they'll have the caption box, which kind of tells you where this panel fits in or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Overall, so it's a fun and... comic. It, it's fun. It, it was fun. You know, while he travels back to the prehistoric times, it was kind of fun. And I, and I like fun. Wally West. I'm an abashed yeah. Wally West fan. So I like following Wally. So I was with that. But, you know, so, so at the end of the day, it was like, it, it was fun. And, you know, and him landing in an impulse body, that, that was kind of cool. Yeah. And so I love weird. the whole, like, many speedsters over time thing, and I love ancient stuff. You know, like him so this going is, back this to is, his early speedsters. Well, cool. this, is, yeah. this is the Flash. This is the Flash's quantum leap. Um, yeah. Wally West is, for the next five issues or whatever, Wally West is going to jump into all these different speedsters' bodies, and he's going to remember the meaning of Christmas and decide to be yeah. a hero again. Got yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, and probably fix the Got Speed Force, it. too. If I know how comics go. Yes, he will <laughs> fix the Speed Force. I, I am, I was, I, maybe my expectations were low, because uh, I know when JD read this, he was just like, Flash is back, baby! And I was yeah. just really excited for yeah. that. But it, it just didn't scratch my itch. I, I just, right. I'm, I guess I'm not a Flash guy. No, maybe not. With yeah. that said, well, I will continue reading the old runs. Yeah, let's see how you feel after the Jeff John stuff. Let's see if you uh, get into that. There's, there's um, some really good stuff there. There, yeah, I, I have a feeling I'm getting to the bigger stuff. So, those are the comic books for this week. Um, before we go away, two of us, um, two of us, two of the two out of three of us on the screen right now had a amazing experience this past week, and we're going to talk about it. Um, and really not care what Brian thinks because he didn't want to invest his time into what we all told him was an amazing experience. Uh, this I conversation know. took place at uh, ten fifteen or so p.m. last night. I think it was more like eight. Uh, I don't think it was. What are we talking about? Well, sure, it's Godzilla bro. versus Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and they said you should watch it, and I said that sounds cool, but I have to finish the other comics. And they said you could still watch it, and then I didn't. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves for a second. All right, cool. <laughs> Look, okay. Did you like it, man? I did like it, but here, cool. but I will tell you, I, I was hope no will be here, but for for the sake of time, hmm. I'm gonna tell you this. Hmm. I was so looking forward to Godzilla versus Kong. It hit HBO Max this Wednesday, as well as in theaters, and I was determined that you know with. The, the, the things slowing slowly, very slowly and precipitously returning to normal that I was going to see this not in the theaters. I was going to see this movie at the drive-in. Mm. 
Oh. Because this was playing at the drive-in at the Navy Yard here yeah. in Philadelphia. So I bought tickets for me and my best friend Calvin to go and watch Godzilla versus Kong on the huge screen of a drive-in. That's cool. Yeah. And while this would not have been my first big monster movie in a theater, it would have been the first monster movie that I had ever seen in a drive-in. So oh, I was cool. looking forward to the grand experience. Uh-huh. So we get to get there. Now, if you anyone has gone to drive-ins, especially like pop-up drive-ins that have happened in the wake of, you know, the pandemic that we've mm-hmm. all experienced, most a lot of those are huge inflatable screens that are that they inflate in a parking lot usually where people can park off and 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 watch the film in in relatively a large manner as you used to do in the drive-ins of old but somewhere along the lines these drive-ins have have caught up with today's technology and they are more or less almost like the side of one of those um, storage containers mm-hmm. that you know you've seen people like tra- trans. Oh, you were picturing it being much, much bigger. I was picturing it being hugely, hugely bigger. Uh, I got you. I thought this, this was, was like a special one that was really big. This uh, was that's a shame. This was like a storage container with yeah. a storage container on top of it. Oh, a, a, and I, it, it not necessarily was a storage container, but that they looked akin to this, and 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 that container was the screen but that container being the screen was akin to in format to your cell phone ladies and gentlemen so was it was it at least like flat like was it a a good screen it was flat it was a flat flat screen so So. you know it's like a big flat screen but the fact that it was akin to like my cell phone yeah and we were parked about four cars deep, uh-huh. literally from where we were. If I held my s- cell phone up, uh-huh. this was the perspective that I was watching Godzilla versus King Kong. So after five minutes of that frustrating experience, <laughs> me and my best friend Calvin resigned ourselves and, and, and. They did not have a food truck set up, so you could not purchase yeah. any food. Um, you had to come already with your food, which because we were running late, we didn't have time to, to get. After five minutes of that, we left. Just I just like ate, yeah. ate yeah, the, yeah. The, the cost or whatever that cost yeah. for the tickets. Went to Applebee's, grabbed some chicken wings and burgers mm-hmm. to go. Came back to my house to my 60-inch TV, which was bare four feet from my sofa. Yes. And enjoyed Godzilla versus Kong in the perspective that I should have done from the first. That's cool. And you can pause it when necessary. And were they buffalo wings, Len? Um, They were honey barbecue. Honey barbecue. Interesting. Interesting. And they were Fucking delicious. We oh, they were better right. than the burgers. Really? Um, right. Yes, they were very, very good. Nice. But yeah. That being said, uh-huh. I watched Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. And it was everything that I wanted to do. Oh, great. Excellent. Oh my God. It is such a fun, fun, fun movie. Mm. Um, yes. Do you have to take your brain and put it on the side a little bit? Sure. sure. Do you have it's, one of those like uh 
Monsieur Milan in the brain, one of those tanks. Yeah, just keep your brain so yeah, yeah, yeah. until you need it again. Exactly. And, <laughs> and thankfully, the the movie is literally with credits an hour fifty three minutes, oh, which right. means that it's tight. Yeah, and which is like an hour forty, probably with that many special effects, like ten minute credits, probably. Exactly, that's pretty good. Which, yeah. which is actually the the amount of of slow mo that was in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Cut. <laughs> oh, I missed your conversation about that. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was so good. It was just straight up bang, bang, bang. God's it was it was it was Godzilla versus Kong. The winner was the person or monster that should have won, Excellent. but it was still a hard fought battle. Okay. And then as happens in every comic book type media that we you know regale ourselves with our two combatants are forced to team up against a solidary foe i thought it might go something that was like that epic as well excellent. excellent i'm trying not to spoil things for you yeah yeah i do want to check it out i do want to check. i'm well behind on many shows at the okay yeah. so i'm yeah you know what put those shows to rest because this is the viewing experience yes. of really? the pandemic as far as i'm concerned this was this hit on so many levels it's ridiculous so i was listening i was passively listening i was helping a customer because the door wasn't locked mm-hmm. i was passively listening to your experience len and it reminded me of how i always choose to see these movies yet because of the pandemic i've been unable to so i've seen every monster verse movie so that the four that or the three that is preceded this three. yeah godzilla mm-hmm. 2014 skull island and uh godzilla king of all monsters I explicitly see them opening nights or the, the preview night. So like Thursday night at seven mm-hmm. in IMAX. I yeah. am a stickler yeah. about seeing these big, dumb movies in the largest format possible. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, they're my youth. I love these, these dumb, crazy, big action movies. Uh, mm-hmm. If they're done well, uh, um, especially in the modern era, they've put real creative talent and, crazy awesome casts behind these monster movies so it's just it's like yes i'm going to see this in the largest format possible so i was really bummed that i was going to experience this one the culmination of all right the battle yeah right right in my living room because even though like we're vaccinated theaters aren't open and i just don't feel safe or responsible enough yet to go into a closed auditorium with 300 other people Breathing the same recycled air for two hours plus. It's just not. It's just not a good move. It's not right. there yet. Right. Um. So I was. I was a little bummed that I was going to be watching it at home. Also, we are in the middle of. We just. We just. We're new homeowners. We're in the middle of ripping up about a thousand square feet of carpet on two floors and two staircases. So every single day has been like awful and hard and tiring. But I was just. Trying to survive until Wednesday, March 31st. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, everything, nothing, the only thing that stopped me from watching it at 7 a.m. in the morning when I woke up was I had work to do and I knew that <laughs> Sam wanted to watch it with me because I, like, we had plans to go to the house and pull up more carpet, but I was like, we're leaving at six. Because I'm watching this movie at 7 p.m. I have dinner prepped. There's my phone is off. There's no one like we're watching this movie, and we're not going to watch it like we've been watching all the all the things during the pandemic with the pause button on standby. <laughs> we're watching this fucking movie all the way through. 
So I was, I was, I'm so hyped for it. There were points in this movie. I, I clearly, I loved it. It was, it was amazing. But there are points in this movie where I was so, I was so overtaken with emotion that I was uncontrollably giggling. Mm-hmm. And it, it yep. wasn't like, it wasn't like, ha ha ha, that was funny. It was like, <laughs> and like, like pushing on her next to me while she's also giggling because there's some things in here that I never even knew I wanted to see. Um, mm. And that includes uh, the impressive filmmaking. Yeah. So we are, I mean, it's 2021. It's the advent of blockbuster film. Like it's, it's the, the blockbuster filmmaking has been around for a while, but it just kind of keeps upping itself. However, all of these movies have been stuck in, um, all of these modern monster movies have been stuck in the uh, frame of reference of the seventies and the eighties, the way that even, even something like Pacific Rim, the way that they depicted large creatures fighting was always from the perspective of on the ground. So no matter, no matter how, um, no matter how technologically advanced and how lean the monster is, it's always lumbering. It's always slow. They're always like magnitude of hits. You always, it's, it always feels slowed down because from the ground up, you're seeing these massive things move. So it just feels slow. This movie takes, it takes into consideration the perspective of the actual monsters. So it's in real time. It's cameras on fists. Mm -hmm. It's watching them brawl in ways that just like actual two fighters would, and not just like big push, big push, one hit, one hit. Like they're, getting in each other and it's just so incredibly impressive like there's one there's one scene where um godzilla's on the ropes with his with his combatant and the combatant takes his head the camera is inside of a building oh yeah yeah has his head slams it into one building slams it into another building and then slams it into the building where your where your perspective is and you see like it's these really great um modern camera movements applied to a genre where we've never had them before. Yeah. And it was relevatory. It was so incredibly impressive. Yeah. I was, I was giggling watching, I mean, watching Kong sweep the leg and just do like actual fight maneuvers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on Godzilla was ridiculous. Watching Godzilla run, which we you never, never saw. You never see was Godzilla. ridiculous. Never see Godzilla uh, run. It's it's all oh, shit, man. By the time by the time um the, the movie's constructed into essentially it's constructed into three rounds. Uh the the main combatants have three rounds with each other. Um and then there's a big battle at the end. So it's like four fights over the course of three acts. Um by the time the plot A is kind of done and the three battles happen, you're just like I can, I can, we could stop if you want to, but then it just ups its ante. This movie, this movie was just bug nuts, awesome. I loved every and, second. And of imagine it. because as much as we've seen Godzilla, Godzilla, and for much of the, if they try to humanize Godzilla in some of the movies, especially this kind of the reboots of these movies, Godzilla has still pretty much been of one note as far as his emotional uh, output, right? As opposed to someone like King Kong, I think because of, you know, our our relationship with with monkeys in general, as well as our relationship, you know, historically with 
with King Kong, you know, you know, he he has a, 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 a hey, look at here. Oh my god, it's a baby. Yeah. It's a baby. Yeah, Take him for a walk to shut him the hell up. He's a sleepies. <laughs> wow. Um, but because of our emotion, our relationship with, with uh King Kong, he's had a, a whole treasure trove of emotions to show, right? Mm. But this movie, while allowing Kong to, of course, be as emotional as possible and even to speak to us, um, oh. this movie still takes an opportunity to still give Godzilla a range of emotions that he's never had before, right? And it, it that is super impressive, you know? Especially oh, yeah. the, the face of, the facial structure of Godzilla, but it's all there. Has <laughs> Kong spoken the, before? Um, uh, you go, you'll you have to watch the movie. You gotta watch yeah. the movie. I mean, before there's, this... Oh, okay. All right. Um, there's... I did read one art, uh, one review beforehand because I saw that like the the early reviews were like, "Oh, holy shit, guys, this is fun!" I was and I was just really excited because fun to a normal person is um, uh, earth shattering to me for this hmm. genre. Like, if just a normal reviewer is just like, "Hey, I had a really good time," that means that I'm going to be ecstatic. But um, one of them did mention there's a scene, there's a reaction shot of one of the monsters that that you'll either love it or you'll hate it. And that's, that's the level of which you'll enjoy this movie. It's like the, there's, there's one little reaction shot from Godzilla that if you, if it takes you out of the movie, this movie's not for you. Right. <laughs> and I exactly. was like, and when, and when I got to it, I was just like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. That, that face doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's a monster. But then when they show it and he's just so proud of himself, I was like, this is a, this is epic. This is a masterpiece. <laughs> It's real talk. It's real talk. <laughs> it's real talk. Oh God, man! Whew. Oh, this movie is so fucking good. Brian, you need to see it. Yes, yes. Look at look at Kong. You make a new gift. God damn I did. I, I, I did. <laughs> oh, oh, you. you <laughs> That's not a scene not from the movie, movie, ladies and gentlemen. That's but this not. is. No, it's not. Oh, no, it's God. not. That's not in the movie. Son of a bitch. That's so not what, in what the movie. What do you guys movie. think? Should I should I watch the movie? You haven't yeah, seen yeah. it. Oh wait, hang on. Yes, JD. Do you want an ear? I haven't seen it. I started it, but I haven't finished it. Is it worth my time? Have you seen Godzilla, Godzilla King of Monsters, Kong yeah. Skull Island? Yes. Then you have to see it. Yes. Godzilla yes. was terrible. No, it wasn't. Kong You're wrong. Was er, Skull Island was great. And then King of the Monsters was dope as heck. This movie makes that look like Child's Play. Oh my God! I, I watched the, movie the first Child's one. Play with Chucky. Did we do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Child's Play <laughs> three. Um, I started. Did we do spoilers? Uh, we didn't do. No, we're not doing spoilers because Brian hasn't seen it. Well, I watched the first ten minutes so far, and I'm already like, "Oh shit, that was a nice surprise." Oh sweet! I, I haven't seen any was. of those movies. I haven't seen any of the movies that you guys have listed. Skip there. the first Godzilla. Do Kong or Skull Island, then do mm -hmm. King of the Monsters. That's all you need. Hmm. What if mean? I just watched this one? Do you think I would be still fine? Like you could probably do that too. I could do it. I don't think you need to know their their intricate backstories. <laughs> yeah, what's Godzilla's motivation in this building crushing only, scene? I think the only thing that you kind of need to I mean, just go online and find like a recap of God or of uh, King of the Monsters. The the only thing that I think you that is nice to know before this movie is the the um the societal structure of Titans. Oh, okay. how, yeah. they, how they function so like mm -hmm. that like not even where they were born or whatever but just the 
the, our relationship the, with them. I did read our a relationship with them, but then that. also the way yeah. that they function in so much as an alpha exists and how that was all disrupted and why. So, like, I would totally, I would watch, I would watch um, King of All King Monsters of Mon- just to get the back. Watch yeah. that one and then this one. That's a Kong is Kong is like a great. Don't watch any of it. Just don't watch any of it. <laughs> watch These something, goddamn it! That's what you need to do. I'll watch something. I mean, I'm I mean, catching up. He's gonna watch up season... on shows that you guys would not consider to be better. Well, than I was gonna say he's gonna watch season twelve of Supernatural CW show. Yeah, uh, you know, I never watched Supernatural, and as it went on, I was like, man, if I had gotten into Supernatural, this w- that would have been cool to have like. What fifteen years of a show that I enjoyed, you know what I mean? It, but I never got season five. Oh yeah, you weren't you weren't feeling the next. The well, no, I mean like the, the the creators were like season five is where we plan to end it, and then oh. for ten years I kept going. Oh, interesting. Right. Um, but uh, no, this movie's yeah. this movie's brilliant. No, I do want to watch this one. This one sounds cool. Oh, and I mean, it's, it's never too into those things, but I like them. Hang on, I'm not looking at the chat, but I'm sure Rob is bitching. Yeah, okay. Um. Uh, he's healed Hollow Earth, Hollow Earth, Hollow Earth, Hollow Earth. Um, it's Journey to the Center of the Earth. It's stupid uh, yeah. pseudoscience via Jules Verne with no actual backup. Yeah, it's great. We're talking about giant monsters. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally fine with it. It also opens up sequels. We're good. I want more of these movies. And Adam Wingard is amazing. The director. It opens up sequels, but they uh, rightfully did not give a post-credit um, um, moment. I, I'm fine. I don't need any more sequels. I don't need anything. I else. agree. I don't I need agree. anything else. Un- unless, unless all of a sudden Godzilla returns, and next thing you know, he's fighting like Tony Stark has made a Godzilla Buster armor. <laughs> There's nothing else that I need to see. And, and trust me, I don't need to see that. So don't, I don't need to see anything else. I am good. I am you good. just mean returns in another movie. <laughs> well, I, this phase no, of I just flicks, wanted to clear that up in case. <laughs> I was worried this, there, you know. It this whole phase of, and I, I don't agree whatsoever with JD. I actually think the 2014 movie is really good. Especially... Especially if you compare it to the 1954 original, the 2014 well, no. is you don't you don't have one. to go that far back. Especially well, no, no, no. if you compare it to the, the Matthew, Matthew Broderick, Broderick movie from oh, the yeah. 80s. Well, no, no, I'm talking about in tone. So, like that was a a genuine allegory uh, drama, and the 2014 one uh, attempts to be the same. It oh, is about yeah, it's not. like yeah. it's yeah, it's it's structurally or thematically the same thing. They take it dead serious. And mm. because they take it dead serious, the most important thing is not the monsters fighting. Mm. And a lot of people hate that. Like Kong is only in about seven or eight minutes of the two hour movie, the, yeah. the 2014 one. Like he's, he's just in shadows. He's around in the clouds. It's not like a, a thing. And unfortunately really we, spent, we spend most of that movie with Aaron Taylor Johnson, which, is, which is bad, uh, which is why the level of acting, even though humans become less and less, you know, consequential to the, to the, to the series as it is rightfully the level of acting increases. Wait, is this even, the one that Brian even Cranston the, was in the, the very beginning yeah. of, and then yes. Yeah, is this the, the same Godzilla as that? Yeah. Is mm-hmm. this the same one? 
Yes. Oh, I did see that one. I was disappointed that Brad Cranston was not in more of That's it. That's what everybody else said. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, Yo, did you guys a... know he was in that thing you do? I was just watching him. Yeah. And, the... Yeah. He's got like two lines. That's one of those movies, you know, how every once you in a while you look back. You watch that thing you do, but you don't have time for Godzilla versus <laughs> Kong? Oh, I was not full. First of all, I already watched that, and I didn't have time last night at 10.21 p.m. It's to been watch out for Godzilla like six days. Kong. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, anyway. it's not like at the top of my list, I got to be honest with you. But. God, the uh, Adam Wingard, the director of Godzilla versus Kong, Go watch the guest, but also two things. One, he said he's actually said um, uh, that he would love to have no humans in these movies. Like mm-hmm. he went out of his way to like diminish the necess- the necessity of screen time for them as much as humanly possible because that's not his version of monster movies. Like we let's get to it, but it never felt unnecessary. It was cool. Um, but then also he got. He got hired to direct the Thundercats live action movie based off of this. Yep. That was just announced. Yep. Wait, the what now? Thundercats, Thundercats. live action movie. Yes. What? Now yes. that I am very excited for. Right never, never I've never watched the entirety of the cartoon. I, 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 man. I just know the them as a toy line and they're fun. In the 80s, man. They were loose. And I still have my sort of omens uh, from that. Those time. are all words I don't understand. Well, you should understand the individual loose. words, Noel, and it troubles me that you don't. <laughs> but what does it mean they were loose? They were promiscuous. Thundercats are on the move, Noel. Thundercats are oh, on the move. Yeah, so yeah. That was their theme song. Out. That was their theme song. Yes, I'm I sorry. But they oh, might have been promiscuous. Out. They didn't <laughs> they let themselves so out, Noel. They're so the, the door was left open and all of these kitty cats got out. Exactly. That's oh my god, the Thundercats are loose. <laughs> I, did I and tell that, you guys? That's ever? a reference to their flatulence. It's just a lot of farty. Cats Flappy that are cats. running around the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, when I was when I was a kid, very young, <laughs> I I loved the Thundercats, and I wanted Thundercats <laughs> Mountain for the winter holiday, right? Christmas yeah. or Hanukkah, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, Mom, Dad, give me Thundercats Mountain. Like my parents were still married at this time. I was very young. Give me Thundercats Mountain. And the issue with that is, did you not see that please? toy? Did not exist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, they bought me a styrofoam mountain from like a model train shop and painted it. And they were like, it's Thundercats Mountain, Brian. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I uh, your parents liked you more than they liked me. Uh, yeah, they liked they me a just, lot more than they, they liked would you. Just be, they would, well, I mean, <laughs> then my parents liked me. Because um, everyone understood that context. Um, they liked they, you, Noel, I'm sure. They would just be, yeah, your parents like me. That's fine. Um, <laughs> they would just be like, hey, no. That doesn't exist. And um, no, here's three more action figures because that's in our budget. I mean, the Star <laughs> Mountain was probably not that expensive, but I, I was really young. Oh, no, they like wouldn't make one four. either. <laughs> um, I, oh, never, man, I never but, had a Castle Grayskull. Oh, I never I had, had a, I had a bunch of Ultron a, toys, too. I had a, a uh, I never cat. had Ultron. Oh, man. I was, Ultron. So wait, so you were expensive. into those, but just not into Thundercats? We were we were like we were like basic middle class. Like my parents would get me action figures and I just had the furniture to play with them on. Like sure. I had action figures that went with me everywhere, but no, I've never had play sets. Right. Sometimes I had vehicles, but I never had play sets. Right. And you, you know what? Now, though. You didn't need the play sets. You think nah, you man. did. You did. My favorite you're right. My favorite time of the year was Christmas and not because like new presents. It was because the tree went up. And when the tree mm-hmm. went up, that means all the G.I. Joes had new terrain. 
Yep. Ooh, to have sweet. battles in. Sweet. It was yep. amazing. Yep. So, so you watched cartoons that you were into all these cartoons. You just didn't get it. You didn't get into Thundercats. <sighs> no, I never really got into it. Well, I yeah, Thundercats I didn't get into. Actually, I didn't watch G.I. Joe either. I just I loved the toys. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I, I watched He-Man for a bit. Oh, I loved it. Loved He-Man. Loved it, but yeah. I don't remember any of it. I recall nothing. It's If you did uh, remember it and watched it again, it, it would not be the high quality that you were. <laughs> Turtles I watched <laughs> and played with. Uh, Transformers? What about the Transformers? Um, I loved the... So I never watched them on TV. I rented, okay. like, at our local blockbuster, I would just rent whatever they had, and it was always just some version of the movie or the sequel series after the movie, but never, like, OG from Jump. Did it's you funny, watch like the 2011 Thundercats, and if you, that was a good no, show. It was, that was really good. good. That was actually yeah. excellent. That was excellent. Yeah, the Drifter one with the rabbit that like kind of cool. That's good. It's, it's funny really how good this, this Trek down cartoon, um, um, the memory memoring, lane. memory lane. Yeah. After watching Godzilla versus Kong, the next day, I remembered from my youth, and this was definitely syndicated. There was a 1966. King Kong cartoon <laughs> that I brought up on YouTube and watched again and is horrible. <laughs> it, is, it is not a good show. It is not a good show at all. However, the theme song Watch it. Is, Watch it. <laughs> the, the theme song is epic. And to prove so, I will sing a part of it for yes. you now as we close out our show. <laughs> <laughs> King Kong, you know the name of King Kong, you know the fame of King Kong, ten times as big as a man. Yo, that's cool. <laughs> that was also, really pretty much like, the theme song. I like that uh, even the fame is famous, according to that song. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can, can whoever edits can whoever edits this episode uh, localize that for me so it could be my ringtone? Oh, Thank that would you. be. Great. <laughs> be great. Can somebody set that to King the animation Kong. of the original? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of this of the uh, like dozen people that listen to us live. Can somebody just find that and clip it together? I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right. I mean, we might as well wrap up uh, because. I um, Brian needs time to watch these two movies so he can be on the same level of cool with coolness with us. Yeah, then maybe you can catch up and watch Invincible. Uh, there's that I too. need to watch. I need to watch the fourth episode. Ah, uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, the most recent episode. It, Falcon and Winter Soldier was great too. I have. That's what I'm watching today. I'm watching. That was really today. great too. I like um that show just keeps escalating, and also it's only six episodes, so this is the midway point. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, Brian. Sorry, Len. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what, JD? Do you want to take us out? Sure. What's up to all our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? Get, get ready. Prepare your butts for the Spoiler Alert podcast live stream. To end. I'm- to end. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys enjoy your zombie Jesus day. Thank you so much for oh joining these, these oh gentlemen. Um, uh, you can come down to my shop and uh, yell at me for my sacrilegiousness uh, at 4327 Main Street, Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex. Uh, Brian Lee, where can the people find you? 
Uh, well, I just moved into a new apartment, and I'm here right now. I'm also at primeleafdesign.com. <laughs> uh, Len, where can the people find you? Holla at a triple any place that you find the black triples. Holla, 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 holla. Uh, you can tweet at me at JD's Hero Complex on Twitter. I also have a, a stupid TikTok if you like that mm. stuff. I, I, it sucks up hours of my day, and then I just do stupid things on it. Uh, what, what is, I think it's just Johnny Destructo on TikTok. And uh, Noel. Hey. Hi. Where can the people find you? Oh, you can find me on uh, social media at Mr. Bartocci, M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I on Twitter, as well as anywhere the pop, uh, cult pop feeds. Um, and I'll yell at you. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk at you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky. And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is